Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. It's Wednesday, and my name is Jonathan. Hi, I'm Coco. And we are going to be talking about American-style game design as opposed to the Euro stuff that we talked about on Monday. Quite indeed. So I enjoyed you sort of giving your sort of overview of what Euros look like to you on Monday. Tell me what you expect when you hear, you know, Ameritrash or American-style game design. When someone says American-style game design, I think... Uh, something that involves bright colors and fighting for things and yelling at people and <laughs> uh, and and yes, yeah. It's not far off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, where uh, where the Euro game design is, is is mostly a matter of appealing to the intellect. Mm-hmm. American style design is mostly about appealing to the visceral side of things. Mm-hmm. It's not so much. Oh yes, jolly good sport. As, that was totally wicked. Yeah. As, uh, as my dear friend Eric Lang put it <laughs> the last time he was on the show. Um, it's interesting because if you were the kind of nerd that I was in the eighties and early nineties. American style games were what we just called them games. Yeah. Because that's kind of what they were. Yeah. Um, these were games that involved dragons and monsters and robots and spaceships and, if we were lucky, dinosaurs and ninjas and stuff like that. Dungeons and Dragons was okay. that was a huge thing for me. And uh, in a lot of ways, it still represents kind of the archetypal American style game, even though it's not a board game. Okay. Um, these are games that are all about exceptions, not so much rules. These are games that are about the experience, games that are about the story, games that are about excitement okay. and uh, thrills and big moments. Mm-hmm. They trace their lineage way, way back. I mean, uh, and they have a lot of different uh, elements that contribute to them as well. You've got uh, Little Wars by H.G. Wells, which was the beginnings yeah. of miniatures wargaming. Yeah. These were simulations of battles. Mm-hmm. And they might be historical battles involving Napoleonic stuff, or they might be spaceships and dragons and what have you, which yeah. is how D&D got its start. Right. You also have the uh, the Victorian-style parlor games, which eventually became things like Monopoly, games with right. resources where you get money and try to bankrupt the other players. Mm-hmm. And these sort of wound up converging into these sort of modern board games, which tended to be built around having a lot of exceptions to rules okay. and something that would always have a story that would play itself. You consider things like, for example, Stop Thief. Mm-hmm. Which was a sort of an American answer to Clue. Okay. Well, here you had this cool gimmick with the uh, the sound effects coming out this little electronic device, mm-hmm. and the players trying to uh, to find out where this thief was. It wasn't as elegant or as simple as Clue, but it put you more in that place. I mean, you couldn't win Stop Thief by fingering yourself as the culprit, <laughs> right? The way that you could in, in the more abstract sort of Clue. Okay. Um, you take a look at the games that arose out of Dungeons and Dragons and all these massive board games with lots and lots of pieces and plastic figures. Mm-hmm. You take a look at uh, Axis and Allies and the Descendants of Risk. Right. That came out from that. Risk is, an, is, is something that almost all of these American style games owe uh, a sort of tra- traces their lineage back to. Okay. If you've got a if you've got a map and you've got little pieces moving around on that map trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. it all goes back to risk. Right. So in a, in a sort of a quintessential American-style game, mm-hmm. I have a map, I am moving my pieces onto places that your pieces occupy, and I'm taking those places away from you. Yep. And some... typically, I'm killing your dudes while I'm doing it. Probably. That's that's basically the plan. Okay. And... So can, can you link, then, for me, risk to Monopoly? Because it sounds like you're saying both of those are American-style games. Monopoly is a little bit weird because it's, well, firstly, it's from back in 1935. Fair. 
we hadn't really quite. It's, it, it, there are certain things in Monopoly that you see mm-hmm. in more modern games. Any game where you roll dice to move, fair. That owes, and and there are a fair number of American style games where you've uh, where you would do that. Uh, it's just that typically once you landed on somebody, instead of buying property from them, you would roll more dice to swing your sword and see if you hit them. Okay, so in Monopoly, I'm when I encroach on other spaces, it's either to buy property from them or to I owe them or to, rent yeah, exactly. or take rent from them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a when pieces interact, there really is a one to one player interaction that involves the Very removal so. of resources, not so much the prevention of opportunity acquisition. Uh, player elimination, right. I think, is another really key thing. In, in, in classic old American style games, the only way to win was to destroy everyone else. Okay. And that's something that Monopoly and Risk have in common. Right. Monopoly, you have to bankrupt the other players and be the last surviving one. Right. Risk, you have to conquer the entire planet and wipe out everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. this, this is sort of the archetypal goal Mm-hmm. Of playing an American style game is mm-hmm. to is to destroy. What is it? Uh, what is Conan? What is the best in life? To crush your enemy, right. see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. You know that's that's where this is tracing itself back to. That is lovely. Sorry, it's just <laughs> that that's that's the archetype mm. that these things owe themselves to. Uh, so lamentations of their women yep. and dice rolling. Oh yeah. But so that that randomness is also a part of an American style game. It very much is, okay. um, and, and this I believe goes back to the wargaming tradition. Right. The fact that uh, you can't do a proper simulation of a battle and take everything into account. Mm. It's not war is not chess. Mm-hmm. There are always things that nobody could see coming, mm-hmm. and as a result, typically in these uh, these war simulations, whenever a unit attacks, it's going to roll dice and check on a table to see. Uh, okay, you rolled this. That means that happens. Yeah. So wait, wait. Okay, I'm thinking about this this ultimate simulator game. Oh, it's Advanced like the, squad leader. The, the, the like famously longest game in history. Oh, campaign for North Africa. Oh yes, my goodness. Yes, where you like you have to like talk about. There's like a rule in the rule book about if you're playing with the Italian faction, you have to bring more water because of spaghetti or something absurd like that. It's. Uh... Uh, famously enormously long game i don't think even the designer has played the whole thing i don't think it's possible to there's some kid in the states <laughs> whose like goal is to finish playing it by the time he's a senior or something and he's not he's yet got finished. to play a lot of it anyway so okay what i'm this though is a good example of an american style game because it has to a certain extent i'd say it's a good example of an american style game in the same way that it's it's, saying- it's an extreme exaggeration but it doesn't uh, the, the most extreme exaggeration yeah. possible. So it, it's, it's trying to accommodate, or it's trying to account for all of the things that can happen in a simulation or in a war mm-hmm. game. And instead of using randomness to make the game go at a speed that is reasonable for humans, <laughs> it uses just rules for days. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And that idea of wanting to take everything into account, I believe, uh, comes from wanting to have the experience of being there. Okay. Um, in a European style game, abstraction is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to. Have, why is this flower bed in a Tetris shaped piece? Whatever, go with it. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just plant my flowers in a ship? Whatever, go with it. It's a yeah. game. It's abstract. Yeah. If it were an American style game design, then you would have money for a certain amount of seeds, mm-hmm. and you would uh, be able to plant them in rows. And there would be rules for how to score points for having this many rows of this or that or the other thing. Um, most likely, the players would be able to bribe the other players to judge their plots as being better than the others. This—it's an exaggeration again, but it's about creating an experience of being there, of identifying mm-hmm. with the people who are in this experience and having a thrilling uh, moment. 
okay. together with their friends. So I'm, I'm having this, this battle, and I'm claiming my land, and I'm winning the war against my friends and family, and I'm destroying their enemies. And I use this unique thing that is mine alone to do yeah. this. If you're playing a game in which you have a unique special ability that nobody else does, right. that arises from mostly from American-style design. And the faction it, style. Exactly. Playing as the Germans is not the same as playing as the Soviets. Right. Playing as a wizard is not the same as playing as a, playing as a warrior. Okay. And uh, that individuality, that uh, my stuff being different from your stuff, is something that's not always the case in American-style games. Mm. But that individuality, that sense of, of uniqueness, mm-hmm. I think is something that's very important there. And um, a lot of uh, kids, particularly you know hobbyist game players, sort of grew up on these clunky, inelegant, beautiful messes. Right. And so then along comes this Catan game. It's like, oh, that's fun. It's got dice and stuff, and there's lots of trading and interacting, and yeah. I can steal your stuff with the robber. This is cool. This is, yeah. like, this is like what I know. This is a yeah. German-style design. Yeah. And then things get more refined and more Euro-y. Mm. And Puerto Rico comes along, and Agricola comes along. And now, if you go to BoardGameGeek.com, about now meaning in the late 90s, uh, early 80s, um, Suddenly, uh, all of these dice-rolling, crazy fantasy, science fiction-y, let's roll dice and be individuals and have crazy, nonsensical stuff happen with ridiculous stories is way down on the list compared to brown exercises and mathematical optimizations of pushing cubes from one place to another to impress the lord of some castle and get the most victory points, which means something. So taking taking my awesome faction and using it to crush my opponent's awesome faction turned into counting the right number of cubes at the right time and putting them in the right box in order to please the dude who's scratching his beard on the front of the game. For a lot of people who grew up on these American-style games, it felt like a bloodless coup. It felt like their hobby, their uh, their favorite thing in the world to do, had been supplanted by what seemed to them to be these dry mathematical exercises right. in who is a better computer than the others. And there was this sort of schism which took place. Mm. And uh, a lot of fans of these American-style games started defiantly referring to their uh, to their favorite kinds of games as Ameritrash, hmm. which was a term that had been used to describe things like Trouble and Monopoly right. and so on. These, these, right. these, these, these American games which in which players basically had no control over their fate as compared mm-hmm. to these beautiful, pure Euro games mm-hmm. with, their, uh, you know, with, with their excellence and rewarding of excellence. Mm-hmm. That sort of schism was briefly quite heated and there were there, there was a time when you couldn't be friends with somebody who uh, preferred games that you didn't like on the internet it was this massive are thing are you where, saying that people with different specific fandoms on the internet are sometimes <laughs> divided are you saying that there's division among internet that it wouldn't communities happen with tabletop games but sure enough it did mm. um, people were rude to each other people were mean to each other um there were there were, there were a lot of friendships who were trashed as a result of this, huh. and uh, we appeared to have these two separate camps, and never the twain shall meet. I don't I don't think I know anyone who has said I will never play a Euro or I will never play an American style game. And that's I, because you know nice people. That's also part of it, but I think the other part of it is that based on what you're describing, I think now, especially you know since it is now the late. Tens, late when, teens. Late teens. Thank you. We are out of the early oddies and into the late teens. And I just don't think that very many games that are being designed and released now fit very cleanly into either of those categories. And I think that there are a lot of games that scratch the itch of both 
or, you know, use the basis of one to scratch the itch of another. That's been my experience as well. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go into it on Friday. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you.